0: Hello. I hope you guys are ready to just enjoy good weather. I hope it's great weather where I am. I need to go play golf. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 877-973-7425. I actually want to begin this hour uh, with a phone call from Ed, who's been waiting patiently. Welcome to the program, Ed. How are you?
1: Hey, hey, Eric. Thank you. I'm a senior executive. I prefer not to say exactly what company I'm with in the electric power industry, uh, mm-hmm. primarily transmission, moving high voltage power across the United States. We don't have the capacity within the country to support more than 18% electric vehicles. You we know, can't I, do it.
0: I, I'm glad you said this because I have heard this From a number of people, uh, enough that I believe it's true from people who are in the energy sector, uh, that we just flat out don't have enough people. And, you know, I I remember years ago now when I was in high school, I tried to argue this point to a teacher of mine that I just in my mind couldn't make it work if everyone flipped to electric vehicles. And she's like, oh, no, 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 they'll, they'll build the capacity. But I, we, I don't see that we're building the capacity to make anything like this. work.
1: We're, we're looking at a, a trillion dollars or more of investment just to upgrade the high voltage grid to deal with it. But the problem is, is that people's lifestyles, they're going to come home at five o'clock, they're going to plug their cars in the same time. Your air conditioner's on same time. You're cooking dinner and everything. And we're just going to brown out like crazy. I, I'm just trying to be helpful here with this information because I don't, you know, I have to be careful because i'm regulated by the FERC you know the federal government so i don't want to you know say too much but we have a major problem once we reach over 15 percent electric vehicles
0: well and and you, you know just just to to play this out a little bit we we see this in some states during heat waves where everyone turns on the air conditioner at the same time yeah and we're already starting to see brownouts of those conditions so yeah it 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 has never made sense to me that if every American came home at night, plugged in their electric vehicle at the same time on the power grid, and yet I guess they've envisioned a world where we're all going to have solar panels and wind. Hey, Ed, Ed while well, I got you here, uh, I, I don't want to put you yeah. on the spot. If it's outside your wheelhouse, say, you can say so. That's fine. Uh, but one of the things that I keep hearing as well is, well, you got all the excess production from solar panels and windmills, but we don't have battery tech to be able to store that stuff
1: on high the, the, output The, the problem is... The problem is, we could go on for hours. I know you only have a minute. The, the problem is, is that when we start generating lithium ion batteries at the, at, the, at the volume that they're talking about, we don't have the raw materials to do it. That's why China's buying everything up. It's why they're mining the oceans, because we really get to a point where we run out of capacity for that. Okay? Yeah. I mean, and this is where, where I, we're just not thinking this through. I'm not trying, I'm not a, I'm a very positive person about the future of the human race and the nation, but we need to start thinking smart here and we're not doing it. No, we're really not,
0: man. I can't tell you, this has been helpful. Thank you very much for calling in.
1: Well, you take care of yourself and you do a good job.
0: Thank you so much, Ed. Um, you know, to his point here, there are days. When solar power and wind power actually produce a lot of excess power, but we can't use it. And there are days where you need to store it in battery tech so that on days where the sun's not shining or the wind's not blowing, you can release it into the power grid. We don't have the technology to do that. Europe has run into these sorts of problems. Uh, A number of countries have run into these sorts of problems. Uh, Texas, you'll remember, during the the ice storm, they did not have enough baseload power when the windmills froze and and the snow got on the solar panels. They didn't have enough baseload power and Texas froze. These are things that have to be thought of, and we don't have a system in place. You know what the left solution is to all this stuff? I mean, it's easy to guess. That's so We need a federal takeover of all this stuff. We we need a federal takeover of the power grid. We need a federal takeover of all these private companies. No, that'd be worse. Government power monopolies are so much more inefficient. But maybe just maybe we got these people. They they run these power companies. They kind of know what they're doing. Maybe we should let them do what they need to do. The, the being beholden to. Ah, uh, the climate change hysterics right now is abs- absurd. And and again, to to Ed's point, if everybody comes home at night and plugs in their car right now, we're we're having all sorts of problems. We're having some catastrophic problems in this country. Uh, unless everyone then has some sort of battery and solar power solution on their roof. And then you know, one of the problems is that we're running into in the country is, and this is the, the most bizarre way to me. So I I am I'm I'm totally okay with and an advocate of. Everybody go out, cut a deal if you can, and put solar panels on your roof. If, if I didn't have the tree line around my house that I did, I, w- I would do it. Um, But a lot of people are putting solar panels on the roofs, and they cut a deal, and essentially they don't pay for the solar panels. What they do is they put the panels on the roof, and then they get the power for free, and they generate enough excess electricity. The companies make their money back by flowing the power onto the power grid and forcing the power companies to buy it from them so you're essentially allowing someone to put solar panels on your house instead of paying you rent for the panels you get your power for free and then they push out to the power grid now what some places have done and it causes all sorts of problems is that those companies are not required to offset costs for line maintenance now what does this mean So when you get your power bill, believe it or not, I actually know about this stuff because I I worked on this stuff um, for a number of years. Um, When you get your power bill, part of your power bill includes a charge for maintaining the power grid. Believe it or not, they need to upgrade the power lines on occasion. They got to replace the power lines. The the transformers blow out. They got to do all this stuff. And so part of your cost for power from your power company is a cost for maintenance out in California, uh, Pacific Gas and Electric, uh, PG&E. California demanded that they upgrade to solar and wind and, and renewable so quickly. They had to use the money they were raising for power grid maintenance. And put it towards solar and wind. And the reason they had to do it is because the California um, um, fines would have been so big that they had to hurry up and get it done, or else. And so they had to forego line maintenance and all the money for line maintenance. And and we saw what happened out there. All these forest fires starting. They weren't maintaining the lines. The high winds come it starts forest fires. And a lot of it had and and you had all the power outages and ultimately they had to turn the power off during high winds because they didn't have the money to do line maintenance because they all had to put in solar and wind. Now, other states wouldn't be as irresponsible, but when you got people who put solar panels on people's homes and then they make the power companies buy power from them and they don't have to be responsible for line maintenance, at some point you put such a financial burden on the power companies, they can't maintain their lines. And you have to think about this stuff. And the good lobbies say, oh, we don't have to think about this stuff. No, actually, you re- you really actually have to think about this sort of stuff. It's far more complex than a lot of people try to make it out to be. If I could put solar panels on my house, when, when I get my buddy Vince to build my, my house, when I make it big in radio, and I build a big house, I wouldn't mind having solar panels and a windmill just so i never have to pay the power company. That'd be fantastic to me. I'd be perfectly fine. Completely off the grid. Independent. But if i connected into the power grid to flow my excess power i would expect that i too would have to pay some amount of money or offset the charges when the power company buys my excess power related to line maintenance of the line grid it's just it this stuff seems like a no-brainer until the policy get involved and then they just screw it all up all right look i i'm i know i'm not i'm, I'm going to shift to what i was going to talk about before ed called if you haven't heard there's good news today there is actually good economic news today. You you should be happy. The February jobs report was really really good. Six hundred seventy-eight thousand non-farm roll uh, farm payrolls, uh, jobs. The unemployment rate fell to three point eight percent. Wall Street was looking for four hundred forty thousand jobs and a three point nine percent unemployment rate, so it beat Wall Street. Wages were not a little were not up a lot just up 5.1% for the year below expectation. Leisure and hospitality industry gained jobs. Professional and business services and healthcare gained jobs, but not as much. This is really good economic news. The economy continues to recover from the pandemic. There's a problem for Joe Biden and for us, and he can't actually use this news. The job data is very good. The problem here, though, is that uh, as people are going back to work, and a lot of people, the reason they're going back to work is because inflation has been so bad, a lot of people are having to jump back into the workforce now to bring home money, and the amount of money they have available to spend is down. And now there's this from Bloomberg. We had the, the caller yesterday was pointed this out. Commodities have soared as war builds anxiety over supply shortages. Commodities extended their massive rally as Russia's invasion of Ukraine continues to roil global markets and fuel fears of supply crunches. Prices from crude and nickel to aluminum and wheat soared as raw materials staged their most stunning weekly surge since 1974 during the oil crisis. Russia's growing isolation is choking off a major source of energy, metals, and crops, sparking fears of prolonged shortages and accelerating global inflation. Traders, bankers, and ship owners are increasingly avoiding business with Russia because of the difficulty in securing payments. Tensions rose early Friday after Russia attacked a Ukrainian nuclear plant, the biggest in Europe, according to Ukrainian officials. As Russian forces occupied the area, Ukraine's nuclear regulator said its last check before it halted monitoring showed normal radiation levels. West Texas oil jumped 5.4% Friday. Prices are up about 22% this week. The International Energy Agency warned that global energy security is under threat. Wheat soared to the highest level since 2008 on deepening fears of global shortages. Base metals rallied further. Soaring energy prices have added to the momentum by pushing up costs. Aluminum, one of the most energy-thirsty metals, rose 4%. Nickel, key to battery metals, jumped sharply to briefly trade above $30,000 a ton for the first time since 2008. As much as we've got good economic news with the jobs report, the Biden administration can't use it because of inflation. And guess what? Interest rates are now coming. Jerome Powell. The chairman of the Federal Reserve says as much that we're about to see some interest rates go up in the country, and that could spark a recession. Typically, when interest rates go up, within a year, you see a recession, and that seems to be where we're headed now. Uh, Not good news for people who were hoping that uh, things might stabilize. It looks like we could have stagflation. We're just nothing, we don't have any economic growth. So the Biden administration, as much as they want to champion this news, they can't. Again, I mentioned this the first hour. We are just a few days removed from the State of the Union address. Nobody's talking about it. As much as Joe Biden tried to champion his record and his agenda, nobody is talking about it. The reason they are not talking about it is because interest rates are about to go up because inflation is up and commodity prices are up, the cost of a loaf of bread is going up, the cost of meat is going back up, the cost to build a house in this country has gotten extraordinarily high. The Biden administration doesn't really have anything they can't actually champion because of all of the economic news. Here's Chuck Schumer on the floor of the Senate. In the coming months and beyond, Senate Democrats will maintain a focus on one of the most vexing issues facing American families lowering costs while building on the wage and job growth we've seen over the past year the american economy is booming compared to a year ago the number of new jobs added to the economy is staggering we've added more than six million new jobs in a single year including the most the most new manufacturing jobs in decades but at the same time we must fiercely confront the the wave of rising costs yes at least he acknowledges the rising costs. At least he acknowledges some of the economic turmoil out there. But he says the economy is doing well. Is the economy doing well when nobody feels it? That's uh, part of the the issue with Ron Klain is out there, is essentially telling people that oh, you just you're not feeling the success of the economy right now. I've worked in the White House twice before uh, in times of economic recovery. And what I what I can tell you is that the economy comes back first, and voters internalize that second. Uh, they, they, they need to see that the positive signs they're seeing aren't just temporary, they need to see that they really reflect where we're going as a country, they need to see that really that growth will be shared widely, uh, they need to see that that growth is lasting. Yeah, they do. And they're not right now. So you can't really say the economy is going gangbusters right now when nobody feels it. That's part of the problem here that the Biden administration has. No one actually feels like things have gotten better, even though the metrics suggest they have. And if people don't feel that way and they don't feel that way about their friends and family, you, you don't get any credit. And you can say it's all psychological all you want and you just come off as a jerk to people. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is eight seven seven nine seven three seven four two five. Should you wish to be a part of this here program, y'all, uh the, the, the priorities of this administration. No, I, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't get it. What are your concerns? You, you know, interestingly enough, some of the data is that uh, you know the, the number three concern of the left right now in this country is. Trump supporters, Republicans and independent voters and moderate Democrats are worried about inflation. They're worried about crime. They're worried about global instability. Democrats are worried about transgender sports and Trump voters. I I don't get it. Kamala Harris is out calling for renewal of of the Equality Act in order to support transgender students. Now, listen, I know some of you and I we, we disagree on this issue, but is it really that big of a deal? For you right now, with all things going on, with everything that's out there happening, is it really that big of a deal for you? It is to the Biden administration. They're calling for Congress to to tackle this issue. I it's just it's it's bizarre to me that this is the 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 um this is this is what they're focused on. This doesn't relate to most Americans. We're talking about maybe uh, half a percent of Americans that it affects, and they think it's the biggest deal ever. And most Americans are, I think, turning against the issue as they see boys competing on girls' soccer teams and and in swim teams and the like. Uh, that, that, that guy on the swim team in University of Pennsylvania, uh, Sports Illustrated has given him a cover, and they're blasting the girls who don't want to see male genitalia in, in the girls' locker room, that it makes them feel uncomfortable, and they're getting attacked as bigots. People have lost their ever-living minds on this stuff, and the Biden administration has thrown in with them. And so they're not focused on jobs. They're not focused on inflation. They're not focused on oil and gas. They're not focused on crime. They're focused on this and I think it works against them. So a friend of the show emailed me a link to a story at Axios. Now, don't get me wrong here. I, I, I want to be honest with you. If if someone gave me the money for a Tesla, I'd, I'd gladly take it. I'm glad to take it off your hands. I want somebody to give me money for this pizza oven I want. It's way less than a Tesla. Uh, and, but I'm I'm totally, totally fine taking a Tesla. Now, Um, or, you know, I saw, I so I was, there's this place up north of Atlanta, Georgia, where where I broadcast from, it's called Barnsley Gardens, and I love it. Unfortunately, I, I've I've talked about it so much, it's almost impossible to re- reservation there now. I feel like um, what's his name who used to say that um, uh, people don't go there anymore. Uh, nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. Um, yeah, Yogi Berra. <laughs> nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. I feel like that with bars. Every time I try to go, you can't get in the place. Uh, but I was up there last weekend, and someone had one of those new Porsche electric Porsches that, that kind of looks like a Tesla, but it's a Porsche. So the interior and everything is so much better, but there's a problem. Uh, weather affects the battery range. This is from Axios and they don't like to talk about, cause you know, Axios is all in on the climate change hysteria. More Americans are opting to purchase an electric vehicle, but some EV owners are surprised to find out how much their car's driving range is compromised by winter weather getting over the hurdles of buying an electric vehicle the higher sticker price knowing where to charge it the fears of getting stranded it's hard enough if your car doesn't live up to the epa estimated range that was promised it could undermine confidence case in point in january margaret and her husband took their first road trip in their new mustang mach e from washington dc to a cabin near Wardensville, West Virginia, 110 miles away. Their car has an EPA range of 300 miles, but in the chilly weather, the estimate before they left home was only about 200 miles, so they had to build in a stop for recharging. Most electric vehicles experience some loss of driving range in cold weather. In Norway, tests show that electric vehicles lose about 20% of their driving range, and also they take longer to charge in cold weather. AAA found the loss in driving range as high as 41% when the heater's on. 41%. (laughs) Hey, honey, let's go for a drive out. It's only 20 degrees, but we can't turn on the heater. We can only go 10 miles. Um, consumer reports is urging electric vehicle owners to opt for a bigger battery to account for unpredictable weather. Cause you know, we got climate change and the weather's more extreme now they say. So, oh my gosh. Um, the spin on some of this stuff, batteries are like humans says Anna Stephanopoulos director of the university of Michigan energy Institute. They prefer the same sort of temperature range that people do anything below 40 or above 115 and they're not going to deliver peak performance some do better than others in cold weather however according to a battery analysis uh, the uh, Tesla actually the Tesla Model Y retains most of its EPA rated range in winter Tesla's developed more advanced thermodynamic systems including a heat pump to warm the interior So, you know, Tesla has been pouring a lot into this. And look, Tesla has some problems, but if you're getting one, they're probably the best out there with their network and stuff. But, I mean, my goodness gracious, uh, you can see a drop of 66% efficiency uh, in a Chevy Bolt when it's cold with the Mustang Mach-E 68%. The Chevy Volt, different from the Bolt, the Chevy Volt, 69% drop. The BMW i3, 74% drop. Uh, Tesla, interestingly, only has a, a 1% drop, 97% efficiency. 98% uh, or actually 98% efficiency in, in cold weather. It actually performs better in cold weather because of all the different stuff they built into it. But it's really kind of absurd uh the, the, the various drop-offs in some of these. Tesla probably performs more reliably uh than anyone. Uh and, but yet so many people if you want a cheaper model electric vehicle you want to do what you can for the planet you're you're messing yourself up in cold weather. I mean y'all, I live in middle Georgia. It is somewhere north of 70 degrees outside today. The weather is gorgeous. It is I'm looking Uh, The high will be 79 degrees today. Perfect weather. Sunny skies. Absolutely gorgeous. But just last week, it was in the 40s. And your Tesla's not going to go far. Now, more and more people have them, and I don't want to knock people or get them. I'm totally fine. If you want to spend the money and get an electric car, that's fine with you. I like my Yukon Denali. That's what I drive. I, I have a GMC Yukon Denali. I don't have uh the suburban size. I've just got like the Tahoe's regular Yukon size. I used to have a a Toyota Forerunner. Man, I loved my Forerunner. Loved my Forerunner. But then we got a dog. And and my family, they're not light packers. They're not light packers. Between the dog and and the inability to pack light, I had to get a bigger car. And I always wanted a Chevy Tahoe, so I finally got myself one. And then there's this car dealership in Atlanta, Jim Ellis. Wonderful people, wonderful people. And I, they were thinking of having me as an advertiser. Now, now the owner didn't want to have anybody in politics uh, doing advertising, which was totally understandable. Uh, but they put me in a a Yukon Denali, which is the GMC version of the Chevy Tahoe. Oh my gosh! I got that car home, and my kids fell in love with it. It's such a I mean, I was played. I didn't even see it coming. I got home, and the kids were like, man, you can't get rid of this car. I had a Tahoe. It didn't even have, like, Apple CarPlay and stuff in it, and I loved the Tahoe, but, oh, gosh, I can never go back. But I've been thinking about the Cadillac. Now, the, I've never liked the look of the Cadillac. The Cadillac is just, I mean, it's so in-your-face, and I don't want a really in-your-face vehicle, but the newest one, I was in Vegas a while back. Someone had a brand-new uh, Cadillac Escalade, and it was matte black instead of like glossy black. And I wouldn't, but my gosh, it was like the Batmobile. And then I found out how much the car was like, and I was like, mm, I need, need, to, need to do more syndicated radio before I do something like that. But I like it. And the downside is that my I traded in my old Denali for a new one, and it's a four-wheel drive now. And it is not a very fuel-efficient vehicle. It's just not fuel-efficient. But it's got the stupid auto start stop, and my lord, do I hate the auto start stop! Now, for those of you who have an older model car, the new ones, thank you, Barack Obama, they they stop when you're at the stoplight; the engine cuts off. And so, if you're like me and you want to be aggressive with the jerk next to you who's been going slow, and now you've got around them, and now you want to start, you got to take your foot off the gas before the light turns green; otherwise, your car stalls. It's the most amazing frustrating thing. I do have a button in mind that I can turn it off. And God bless you, Donald Trump, he allowed car manufacturers to take it out. But I'm sure Biden will put back and force the auto stops such a stupid feature of the car. Nonetheless, if you want an electric car, if you want to get me a Tesla, I don't care. I'm happy to take your Tesla off your hands, Clark Howard. Totally happy to have an electric vehicle. I don't have a charger at my house. I guess I'd have to drive to like the Panera Bread near my house. They've got a Tesla high, high-end charging station. I don't mind if you have them, but I don't want an electric vehicle. And I personally believe there is a conspiracy. You know, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist, but it always comes with a but. I'm not a big conspiracy theorist, but people always call on the show. I'm not. We had the guy calling the other day. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I think Joe Biden told Vladimir Putin to invade Ukraine because uh, Zelensky was going to expose Biden. It's like you really believe that Joe Biden... Zelensky uh, wasn't going to expose Joe Biden. He was going to wait for him to become president of the United States and then reveal the dark secrets. Really? You really believe that? I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I do kind of think there's like a war on big families from environmentalists. I mean, they say all the time, we well, got to lower your carbon footprint. One of the things you can do is is not have kids. And then they're trying to get us all into electric vehicles. When's the last time you've seen an electric vehicle that can hold a homeschool family? Huh? No offense to homes, I'm just saying. Y'all got big family, you're Christians, you you got a lot of family. I mean, y'all, I was I was at my kid's soccer game last night. My my son is in 7th grade and plays soccer and I'm telling y'all, it was like you were you were in the books of the Bible. It, it really was the funniest thing when I started thinking about the names of the of the team and and they're all like these these like old school Old Testament Bible names. You now Nebuchadnezzar did not play on the team. I, I want you to know that. Uh, but they had all the other all the other good Bible names out there and they were like Old Testament they weren't even like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John do play. But it's like Amos and Ezra and Josiah and David and Luke and Asher and Benjamin and Ezekiel and Nathan and Samuel and Gideon and Joshua. Oh, Titus and Silas were there as well. Judah, well, Judah's on the team too. And you got them, and they're all like one from one family. I mean, you got one family, that's the entire soccer team. It's, it's just a miracle. But the the families, I mean, you, you got families. We've got families at our kids' school that have like five, six, seven kids. Some of them adopted Interracial adoption big in the Christian community. Christians adopt more kids than anyone else, and you're telling them we gotta we gotta fit your whole family in a Prius. We've got a couple of families at my kids' school. They got 15 passenger vans. I don't blame them or Suburbans, so they can fit all the kids. And you're telling them, well, bad for the environment. Well, you gotta wedge your family, strap some of the kids to the hood. That'll do it. And then the cops pull you over. I really think part of this whole electrification stuff is, is the war on large families. Big families are not bad. Now, I've got two older sisters. I'm the baby. I am the precious wise one in the family. I'm the baby. Got two older sisters. I'm the favorite. <laughs> Don't I said that. And then my my wife and I, we've got two kids. If we could have more, we would. I actually think having... Having multiple kids is a good thing because uh, I'm very blessed that my kids get along very, very well, and I hope they stay that way. But I know a lot of families where they got two kids and they hate each other, or or uh, the one kid families. And look, I, I'm not I'm not trying to be insulting or put anybody down. I'm just saying, if we could have had more kids, we uh, I think we would have. Uh, with my wife's health, we couldn't. And I just think that having big extended families, particularly in this day and age, so many people are lonely and isolated. Having larger families helps overcome that. We're dealing with a situation with my parents where my parents are getting up in age. And I feel bad for my middle sister because she lives two hours from them. My oldest sister lives about six, seven hours from them. I live on a good day, 10 hours from them. And so my middle sister's having to be the one to, to shuttle around. And, and at some point, I think we're just going to have to pack up our parents and say, y'all got to move in with us. and 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 leave the leave the family uh plot of land i don't know what we're gonna do and they're listening right now so so don't be horrified that i'm talking about this y'all but i i think about the people who have large families and and the environmentalists out there one they say they're bad for the environment because they have so many kids and the like and then two they want to force them into the prius or you know we had a so so my son actually had a friend when he was in preschool the dad was a scientist and an environmentalist, and they had one of those little cars. Oh, one of the, y'all know the little cars. that They're like two-seaters, but you do have a little back to it. And so it was the mom and the dad and the one kid. And you'd wedge the kid into the back of this thing. I mean, I think I could pick this car up and move it around. It was like a little matchbox car thing. And it was good for the environment, I'm sure, but uh, you, you can't fit a whole family like a whole Christian family in there. So that's my conspiracy theory. I just I look if you want to drive a Tesla and I know Teslas say they can fit a lot of people, but not if they're heavy packers. I don't mind big cars and I think uh, a world where we can drive big cars that burn fossil fuels or maybe get a battery, but I don't see how you do it with like a Yukon. But we got to be able to fit people in the cars and we should be incentivizing big families. Our nation depends on population reproduction. If you don't reproduce for the population, you got to bring in immigrants. And some of you don't want to do that, so you need to be having lots of babies to keep our population going. You, you know, Jonathan Last, he writes over the board now. He used to write it at the Weekly Standard and he wrote this book, uh, What to Expect When No One's Expecting. And he, kinda, he he's kind of an expert on this. I should get him on the show one time uh, if he can get on the show without dropping an F bomb. <laughs> but he talks about how bad things wind up for countries that have low birth rates. It really. They, I mean, look at Japan right now. Things aren't going well for Japan uh, socially. Now, the Japanese don't want you to know this, but you dig into it. What do you do with all the old people when there aren't enough young people propping up the social systems? Europe is having this problem. Uh, Germany is having this problem. You know, there are German towns where the wolves have come back. I don't say that dramatically, but the wolves have returned. There are these German towns where the population is winding down. It's a bunch of old people. All the young people have moved off. Nobody's having babies. And with population decline, nature is taking back over. These things you got to consider. I think we should be incentivizing everybody having a whole lot of kids and driving very big vehicles and fitting them all in. I think it'd be a good thing for us. Right now, it's just the Christian kids at the private schools taking up all the Bible names. Nobody names their kid Judas, though. Nobody names their kid Judas. That kid would get beat up on the playground. I'm just saying, that's my conspiracy theory. This push to get us all in electric tiny cars so that nobody can have a lot of kids or you got to have a lot of money so you can buy a lot of cars to fit all the kids. All right. Uh, hang on a second. I got to block Phillips' phone number first before I start talking about this. All right. Cause he's going to text me obnoxious things. Y'all I'm going to go see Batman. the, the so <laughs> I saw people the other day point this out that, you know, uh, there were a lot of people like, do we really need another Batman? Really? Uh, yeah, I think we kind of do. Uh, it's time. I love that. Batman's like the best superhero. When I was, when my daughter was really little, I totally convinced her I was Batman. And for a while she believed in the adorable way that, that little kids believe all sorts of stuff. Um, I, we used to watch the Batman cartoons together. It was totally inappropriate for her as a little kid, but she loves Batman now too. I've, I've brainwashed my kids. I love Batman. Batman is the cool superhero because the superpower is he's really rich. Uh, he does. He, he can't see through walls or anything like that. He's just super rich and smart. And brains and money get you far in life, kids. That's the lesson with Batman. <laughs> but, but so a lot of people are like, do we really need another Batman movie? My gosh. So there, 10 years has elapsed from Dark Knight Rises, the Christian Bale uh, final uh, bit of that trilogy, 10 years between now and this. We've had the Ben Affleck stuff in between the Batman versus Superman stuff, but I don't think that really counts. We had eight years between uh, Batman and Robin, the George Clooney uh, clunker, and um, The Dark Knight. There was an eight-year gap. I'm totally fine with a Batman movie. I just And this one, eh, the critics don't like it as much. The fans really do. But then fans will watch. If you're like a Batman fan, you're going to like the movie. I still haven't seen the Spider-Man movie. I need to see the Spider-Man movie before the Doctor Strange movie. All these Marvel movies, it's the superhero movies that are propping up the box office. And I want to see them on a giant screen. Now, I bought myself a really big TV a year ago. I might have had some bourbon. and was on the back porch. Philip had said he had never seen uh, 1917, which is, or uh, 1918, one of the just fantastic movies out there. Uh, and so I bought... Decided we need to see it on a really big TV. Nineteen Seventeen, fantastic movie, really is. It is an incredible. If you've never seen Nineteen Seventeen, it's not really kid friendly because of some of the violence, but my gosh, it is one of the greatest movies ever made. Uh, you you got to watch Nineteen Seventeen, and the whole premise of it is an unbroken single camera. Now it's not really, but it looks that way. They did such a good job of it. So I bought a giant TV. And I can watch my superhero movies on it, but it's still not the same as a theater and I haven't been in a theater since COVID and I am ready to go to a theater and I may just have to go with Batman and all my friends say it's great to go back even with COVID because nobody's going so you're there by yourself and then I'm thinking, how can these places stay in business, but I may have to go because Batman is coming back out and the reviews are great. They're not fantastic, but they're great and the fans think it's an incredible movie and it's Batman and it's got to be awesome. And I want to go see it and I want to go back to theaters and I want life to go back to normal and I want to forget all about COVID and, and, and everything we had to go through and maybe going back to see Batman is the way to do it. So I'll be there at some point this weekend. And I also have to take my kid to some dude named Conan Gray. I got to take her to his concert tomorrow night. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Yeah, things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity. Where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building? You want to build a building? Reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can.